Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. For the Christmas service, Pastor Judy Hockenberry preached the sermon entitled, The Gloriously Impossible Possibilities. Enjoy. So our first scripture reading, it comes from 1 Samuel, 2nd chapter, verses 1 through 10. It begins by saying, Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord, my strength is exalted in my God. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in my victory. There is no holy one like the Lord, no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread. But those who are hungry are fat with spoil. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he also exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's. And on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not, by my, for not by might does one prevail. The Lord, his adversaries shall be shattered. The Most High will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. This is the word of the Lord. So um, let us read from Luke's Gospel, beginning in the first chapter at the 26th verse. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, 
for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You've heard the news. It's probably why you're here this morning. Such good news. Amazing news, really. The baby's born. He arrives safely. Mother and son resting comfortably in the stable. There was quite a hubbub in the night. Angels singing heavenly choruses. Shepherds out watching the field and bringing their whole flock right into the city right there in the stable with the new baby and all. Imagine, imagine that. It's quiet now, though, very quiet. And Mary is pondering. She is thinking about how this incredible event began. Nine months ago, Yes, that's, that's when it began. That part of the story seems to fall in line with every other woman's story, about, but that's about the only part. Nine months ago, Mary was every other woman. She was promised to Joseph. They were in their betrothal period. Her life was unfolding exactly as her mother's life had unfolded, and her mother before her, her life had unfolded, and and exactly the way all of her friends' lives were unfolding, until one day, well, one day she was visited by an angel, the angel Gabriel, no less, and bringing some unbelievable, actually quite impossible news. Mary is going to have a baby. Who finds out they're pregnant through an angel visit? I mean, really. There are thousands of ways that women discover they're pregnant. The doctor, an in-home pregnancy test, a sudden intense dislike for the smell of coffee, a queasiness that never quite goes away, tears that come without any warning, a thousand ways, and none of them involve an angel visit. But Mary, Mary gets an angel visit. And furthermore, from Mary's perspective, what the angel is saying can't possibly be true because Mary hasn't been with a man. Ah, the angel tells her, don't worry about a thing because with God, nothing is impossible. 
Now, what mother of a teenage girl is going to believe that story? We don't know if Mary's mother believes her or not. We don't have to know. Mary believes, and that's the important part. Mary believes. She listens to the angel and believes, and then she speaks to the angel and agrees. Let it be done to me according to God's will. Mary agrees to this strange, delightful, incredible, awesome, and impossible turn of events. In his announcement to Mary, the angel also mentions her cousin Elizabeth, a cousin of older age who is now suddenly, after years of not being able to conceive, now she has finally conceived. She was shunned by her community for being inferior as a woman because a woman's purpose in those days was to bear children. So after years of waiting and hoping and wanting and finally accepting that her time was gone, Elizabeth is pregnant. Mary goes to her. Perhaps she needs to see someone else who has had a miraculous occurrence in their life. Or perhaps Mary's parents send her off to cousin Elizabeth because after all, being pregnant and unmarried is an offense punishable by stoning. Regardless of the reason, Mary goes to Elizabeth where she is protected and her baby is protected. Elizabeth's greeting to Mary confirms what Mary already believes to be true. She is blessed by God. What is happening to her is not shameful, but rather brings great honor. Elizabeth greets her not as an exile, not as a shamed woman, not as a pregnant unwed mother, but as a sister in the faith, as a woman of strength who has agreed to let God have God's way with her life. Elizabeth welcomes her and blesses her and celebrates her and to that, Mary finally lets loose. She responds with a song of praise. A song of praise to the one who makes possible all the gloriously impossible things that are beyond our imagination. Singing... Singing can help us express emotions we might otherwise have difficulty expressing. Sometimes we can sing when we can't even speak. I'm always amazed by Alzheimer's or dementia people that I visit when they can sing a familiar hymn with me word for word, even when they have very few words left. Or conversation. I once knew a woman who could barely speak to her own daughters, but who was able to sing the entire Ave Maria in Latin. Mary sings. She sings the words that she cannot simply speak, and her song is a song of hope 
and joy and justice. She sings of a God who brings down the powerful, who lifts up the lowly. She sings of a God who fills the hungry, who changes the status quo, who works from a sense of abundance rather than scarcity. In her song, Mary's voice echoes the voices of ancestors long past and their hope for a future of peace and prosperity. Her song is reminiscent of Hannah's song that Alex read when Hannah learns she's pregnant. Both Hannah and Mary find their hope in a God who considers, cares for, and acts on behalf of the lowly. The lowly. One theologian speaks of Mary's song as the overture to Luke's gospel, in which we as listeners are given hints as to what else will be contained in Luke's gospel. His gospel is known for giving voice to women who are otherwise without voice and to continually lifting up the outsider and the oppressed. Mary sings of a time when the marginalized will be given voice and agency. In many ways, the song of Mary is still sung in our streets today and around our world. It is sung in places where those without food or shelter gather. It is sung in those places where the ravages of war are experienced. The song reminds us, gathered here this morning, that we have a God who not only stands against the evil in our world, but who is ultimately victorious over that evil. Mary sings of hope and joy and light in the midst of a world that is filled with darkness, with Roman oppression and aggression, with burdensome taxes, and with an unequal distribution of wealth and power. And Mary sings her song. It comes from a deep well of belief and trust in a God with whom all things are possible. Even things like angel visits and immaculate conceptions. Mary sings with the assurance of one who knows that she believes and trusts in a God who makes the gloriously impossible things become gloriously possible. In her book, The Glorious Impossibles, Madeline Langle writes, possible things are easy to believe. The glorious impossibles are those things that bring joy to our hearts, hope to our lives, songs to our lips. The birth of Jesus is a glorious impossible. Like love, it cannot be explained. It can be believed. It can be trusted. It can make all the difference in our lives and in the life of our world. The baby has arrived, mother and child resting comfortably in the stable, and all around them, voices sing of the ways in which the gloriously impossible has become possible.
God chooses to become part of us as a tiny, helpless infant. God chooses a young woman of lowly estate to be his mother. God chooses to tell the story of Jesus' birth in a way that calls all that we can logically explain or rationalize into question. And God dares us to stop and hold our breath for just a second as we grab onto the gloriously impossible reality of the birth of our Savior to live and dwell among us. Mary and her cousin Elizabeth invite us to move out of that place where we are so often caught in these days, a place between despair and optimism. And they invite us to stand in a place of hope, Hope of this sort speaks to all the mysteries of our faith. It speaks to the things not yet seen. It speaks to the things that seem to be impossible. It speaks to that feeling that we cannot fix things on our own, that the world is indeed going to hell in a handbasket. But when we bind ourselves to the God of the gloriously impossible, God will be victorious. The song of Mary and the birth of Jesus remind us that we do not need to live in the darkness and despair of our world, of these times. Another world is possible. It is made possible through an impossible conception and an unlikely birth story. And it speaks to the deepest parts of our hearts about a God whose strength is found in weakness, a God who works differently than any other power or principality we have ever known, a God who will eventually claim the ultimate victory. Mary gives birth to a child who has the ability to change our world. Mary sings of a God who comes to the lowly, the poor in spirit, the beaten down, and the discouraged. Mary sings to us about a God who will use us to bring about justice, compassion, and love that will change the world. Mary believed. Mary trusted God to use her, to work through her, to change the world. And thank God she did. Thank God she had the strength to say, let it be to me according to your word. We come here this morning to hear the birth announcement again. Many of us heard it just last night. Others of us have heard it regularly throughout our lives. Some of us hearing it for only the first or second or third time. We come to wonder about the angel's announcement, to consider the shepherds abiding in the field, to listen to Mary's song, We gather here today to hear the story we need to hear over and over and over again. The story about God who came in human flesh. To hear about the God who knows our despair and understands our pain.
to hear about the one who makes the gloriously impossible possible and who invites us to be part of all the impossible possibilities. Dare we believe the crazy story? Dare we trust a God who comes in human flesh? Dare we allow God to use us to bring light into the darkness of this world? Dare we sing with Mary or hurry with the shepherds or watch for the star? Imagine if Mary hadn't believed. Imagine if Mary had withheld herself from doing God's will. Dare we not believe? God comes to us again this morning, dear friends, and invites us to act with grace and persistence for the well-being of our world and of the environment and of all people everywhere. We are invited again to believe the gloriously impossible possibilities. We are encouraged to be part of the light that shines in the darkness. And only when we believe the impossible and risk our own life can we truly say that we are choosing love so that we can be the light that changes the world. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The gloriously impossible is possible. And perhaps more than any other Christmas morning, we need to remember that this morning. And we need to claim the impossibility of God working in our lives, we need to say yes to God the way Mary said yes, so that God can use us as part of God's great and amazing plan for the redemption of all people and of the whole world. May we sing with Mary. May we trust with Mary. May we believe this morning and in all of our moments. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.fpcah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.